The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. This is Squawkbox. Welcome to this Thursday edition. Here are your headlines. The S&P and the Dow slip after some major earnings misses and a disappointing private sector jobs report, as the Fed's Richard Clarida says he sees inflation pressures delaying rate hikes to 2023. Italy's biggest bank in Tessa, Sao Paulo, plans a 3.3 billion euro payout becoming the latest European lender to report shrinking loan losses and a broad-based pandemic rebound. The CEO, Carlo Messina, will join us later on in the program. Uber beats on the top and bottom lines, but heavy spending on driver incentives weigh on the ride-hailing side of the business and losses widen, despite a pickup in rider numbers. And from the platform to the object, on its fifth day of trade, Robinhood becomes a meme stock in its own right, up as much as 80% at one point in the session and closing 50% higher. And clashes break out in Beirut as thousands take to the streets on the anniversary of the deadly port explosion, accusing authorities of a cover-up. Uh, So we've got a fairly busy day on the earnings front. We kick off this morning with Siemens, the German industrial conglomerate. The headline from Siemens, uh, we are raising profit guidance uh, for the third time, having beaten forecasts for the latest quarter. Let me just give you a couple of quick lines and then we'll get out to Annette for the broader analysis. The group reporting uh, third quarter 2021 orders in at 20 port. 0.49 billion as against the 16.32 billion that was forecast in the company gathered uh, consensus. So this is a huge huge blow past the uh, order's expectation. The uh, revenue line in at 16.09 billion again the uh, forecast was for 15.11 billion the forecasts here seem to be just way off the uh, uh, performance of the underlying business as we see it at this stage, which I guess justifies then that uplift in the guidance for the full year with now revenue growth to 11 to 12 percent from the range of 9 to 11 percent previously. But how profitable is the business. Net income now expected in the range of 6.1 to 6.4 billion euros, up from the previous guidance of 5.7 to 6.2 billion euros. Uh, There's obviously a lot going right here for Siemens at the moment. Annette, let's bring you into the conversation as you've watched this company transform itself. It now seems to be tapping into this rebound we're seeing post the pandemic lockdowns? Yeah, probably Joe Kayser would be very proud to see these numbers because it's across the board. It's across the whole, all three main units, um, digital industries, smart infrastructure and mobility. We're not talking about health and news. We know the numbers already. They were out earlier this week. So 
all the main core units are performing better than expected. Standout unit is mobility, and that is actually really interesting because it was lagging behind quite some quarters, and now it, it, it's beating expectations. The orders came in at five billion, more than five billion, and the expectation by analysts were just three and a half. So it's a huge beat uh, when it comes to the orders, but also the the bottom line is a lot better than expected. So Siemens is saying they are seeing very, very strong order intake across the board. And we're not talking about just one region. They're saying uh, from a regional setup, uh, demand is actually strong in Europe and Asia and, and, and also in the United States. So it's like an, an even split when it comes to the demand situation. So that's why they're also hiking their guidance, as you were, you were saying, for the full year, they are now um, expecting revenues to grow in digital industries between 10 and 12 percent, smart infrastructure between 8 and 9, and also mobility is um, anticipated to grow in single-digit revenue growth rates. And as I was saying, mobility was like sort of the problem child um, for Siemens, but it seems to have recovered. Um, when it comes to digital industries, let me run you through what they're saying here. They are also seeing a sharp order increase in the short cycle automation. Um, and also here, Revenue was up in all businesses on a comparable basis. On a geographical basis, volume grew in all reporting areas, including the highest increases they saw in China and Europe. Digital industries is the business where they essentially help companies to digitalize um, and automate, automate the processes. And that's what they're banking on will happen across all industries they are catering to. And that's why they think they're very well positioned to ride as well. The general theme after the pandemic, it will be over that companies will digitalize the business and automize. And smart infrastructures is more or less uh, or smart infrastructure is more or less a, a play on, um, yeah, also having the infrastructure environment um, being digitalized and smart. And here also some orders and revenues rose in all businesses led by the product business, including strong demand from industrial customers on a geographic basis. Um, also, volume grew here in all reporting areas. So, bottom line, it's a very strong number set from Siemens and uh, well ahead of what analysts had expected. With that, Jeff, back to you. Yeah, that's terrific. And of course, that's a, a wonderful, wonderful place for Roland Bush to start his leadership of the business ultimately. Thank you so much, Annette. Lovely to see you. We'll catch up with you a little bit later on. Uh, Lufthansa, slightly different story here. Probably the, the best line you can take out of Lufthansa's second quarter numbers is the German airline has generated positive cash flows again in the second quarter, but the uh, adjusted uh, EBIT uh, and second quarter revenue do appear to be uh, worse than expected. The guidance on the second quarter revenue uh, was 3.6 billion, the group 3.2. The uh, adjusted EBIT uh, nine, negative 952 million, negative 907 million was the expectation here. The group there, though, says it does have uh, strong liquidity at this point of 11.1 billion euros. 
and they say still high demand for tourist destinations and a gradual recovery of business travel expected in the second half of the year. So that's a quick update from the German airline for the second quarter. Juliana. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, Well, let me continue with earnings. We've got uh, Germany's Merck reporting numbers just now, and uh, they're strong numbers on both the sales front and the earnings front. Reported group net sales increased by 18.2% versus what they've called a soft pandemic-impacted year uh, earlier quarter. So they've come in at 4.9 billion euros. In terms of earnings, EBITDA up 46.7% to 1.6 billion, EPS growing by just over 72%. So strong earnings growth here. They've also updated and raised their forecast for the fiscal 2021 year. Now a full year group net sales expected of 18.8 billion to 19.7 billion. In terms of earnings, 2021 EBITDA forecast between 5.6 and 6 billion. And interestingly, they've also provided select targets for 2022. So um, a signal perhaps of the confidence and the visibility that they have beyond this year. Uh, The company expects net sales between 1.6 billion and 1.8 billion in 2022. So uh, it looks as though uh, certainly at a headline level, these numbers out of Merck are solid. We're going to dig into the detail later on the show when we speak to Merck CFO Marcus Kunert, and that's at 8.30 CET. So stay tuned for that, Jeff. Terrific. Thank you very much indeed for that. So back on the 7th of July, we actually got uh, some uh, lifted outlook uh, from uh, Deutsche Post. If I look at what we're getting here this morning, it's a uh, an affirmation of that raised 2021 guidance revenue up 22.2% to 19.5 billion euros is against the uh, comparison of 15.9 billion for the year ago period. The uh, elevated guidance confirmed, as I say, and the EBIT to rise more than uh, 7.4 billion euro in 2023. Non- net profit after non-controlling interests of 1.3 billion euros in the second quarter of 2021. Let's get to Franca Pal, the CEO of Deutsche Post DHL. Annette is going to join us in the conversation as well as Juliana, of course. Frank, always good to see you. Just uh, perhaps lay out for us the trends as you see them at the moment here. It was interesting. We had one of your U.S. rivals report recently, and the uh, headline out of their numbers, I thought, was uh, disappointing post-pandemic U.S. margins. How are margins for you? Yeah, we have seen a very strong second quarter. Um, You know, we still have seen a significant surge in e-commerce volumes and B2B is fully back. We have seen that across the divisions that B2B business is growing uh, nicely. We expect that this will continue for the second half. Uh, Definitely, we see a very strong recovery. Uh, What will happen now in the next couple of months is what we expect already. We will, of course, see you know, a slowdown in growth rates, but I think we have seen a structural change in e-commerce and lifted that everything. So margins are healthy. Uh, volume forecast, of course, is not as strong as for the first half, but that doesn't come as a surprise. We have said that for several quarters already, that we will see a normalization in e-commerce growth in the second half of this year. But we believe that B2B will be still very strong since we are in both businesses, of course, you know, you can say we are a little bit in the sweet spot of what the world economy does at the moment. 
Frank, it's Annette here in Frankfurt. Um, I wanted to ask you about your supply chain unit because clearly the focus is very much on, on uh, DHL, but this unit is very interesting. So how is it doing compared to pre-corona? No, we had the best quarter of that division, um, you know, much better than last year and even much better than before the pandemic. The The supply chain business is really doing much better uh, because we have taken the right decisions in the past years. Um, you know, we have standardized more of the business. So we are very happy about the, of the progression. We do a lot of uh, e-commerce business in that division as well. So, you know, our supply chain business is very often seen as a little bit of smaller part of the of, of pie. Uh, and I think they, they are doing very well. If you look at the overall business, Frank, though, um, I mean, you have reached like on all time high when you when it comes to your share. So um, where do you want to really grow and surprise investors going forward that that the company still has way to grow? Yeah, I think, you know, we have a very strong growth. We grew more, almost 25% organically in the in the second quarter. So it shows, and of course, we are a reflection of what the economy does. But I have no doubt with our five divisions, we have plenty of opportunity to gain market share in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, we have a highly engaged workforce. Uh, that's the reason why we gave them or announced that we will give them a second Corona bonus this year. Um, you know, around the world. And I think that is a base for great service quality. And therefore, I have no doubt, even if the growth rate overall comes down for the economy, we have plenty of opportunity to grow the business by gaining market share. Um, uh, Frank, it, very notable, you say that uh, B2B has bounced back. Uh, I, I think you said fully bounced back now. Uh, back in May, uh, B2B was still just coming back. Uh, where do you see B2B going as conditions do normalize? What's the growth opportunity there? No, definitely the, the full year, I think, is is we'll see a complete recovery of the economy. I'm very optimistic. But the interesting field where we will play a role as well as B2B e-commerce. Uh, so people talk usually when they talk about e-commerce, about B2C to private consumers. What we really have seen through the COVID-19 pandemic that more and more B2B companies have started to sell their products online. And of course, that creates a tremendous opportunity for companies who are, who are strong in B2C e-commerce and B2B business and that's the reason why we believe they can grow here as well. Mm. Um, can you give any comment in terms of um, what we're hearing around shipping delays? I mean, there's still huge issues um, and new issues, it sounds like, when it comes to container shipping and moving goods around the world. I mean, how do you fit in and what can you tell us on that front? Yeah, so, you know, what we see is actually what you should expect. You know, if markets are growing so rapidly, you have a shortage immediately in, in the elements, in production. You know, there's significant shortage in production of certain products because the demand, you know, moved up so rapidly. And, of course, that leads also to shortage in logistics uh, because, you know, there's limitations of container. But this is all completely normal. It's always at the beginning. But overall, it's good signs. You know, we will see a, an increase in employment around the world, which is good. That will trigger additional demand. So what we are seeing is not surprising if you look backwards. People, when they end the crisis, always think, oh, it will go, keep going. What we see now is completely expected, I think, and not surprising, and it will normalize pretty rapidly as well. So these are all phenomena if you come back in an economy very rapidly.
Frank, you've, you've lifted your guidance. Uh, you've got a high on the share price, but you've also been generous to employees with this additional bonus payment, which I think is very interesting because we're not seeing all company leadership do this. Why do you think it's important to reward your workers with this extra compensation? And does it also tell us something about the tightness we're seeing across labour markets? How easy are you finding it to get the staff that you need? So very clear, the purpose of that to really say thank you to our colleagues. You know, we are doing extremely well and, and, and we know in a service company, this is all the benefit of the great work our people are doing around the world. And, and the purpose of that uh, signal to the organization and to the colleagues, and we do that for everybody the same because every employee is equal for us uh, and contributes equally to the success. Uh, we believe that this is a clear gesture from the senior team. We let them participate in that. It's not because the labor market is tight, uh, but it will help us as well. Not the money less, but the reputation it creates. People are very positive. We never had a more engaged workforce, and they tell that they're friends. So people are joining us because they want to work for a great employer. Um, and, we, you know, we, I, I believe we are a great employer for many uh, and we are working on that to become a great employer for all uh, who are working for us. And that gives us a competitive advantage. Um, you know, you can't <clears throat> win in the labor market just by money. I think you have to have other things. And that is one of the elements we have created, I think. Frank, uh, thank you for taking our questions. Always great to speak with you. Frank Apple, CEO, Deutsche Post DHL Group. Aneta, thanks so much for joining as well. We've got much more from the C-suite today on Squawk Box. Tune in for our first on CNBC interview with Adidas CEO Casper Rorsted at 8.15 CET. We'll also hear from the CFO of British retail giant Fraser's Group, as well as post-Italian CEO Matteo Del Fonte. And later on, we'll look at the impact of the global chip shortage with Continental CFO Wolfgang Schaefer. And to round out the show, we will discuss earnings and sector consolidation with the boss of Italy's largest bank in Tezza San Paolo, CEO Carlo Messina. Yeah, just picking up on uh, that interview coming up later on, that is supporting some of the enthusiasm we're seeing around the banks at the moment as Intesa San Paolo raises its guidance and announces a major share buyback program. That interview that Juliana flagged up will happen towards the end of the program. But stay with us. We've got a lot of business news to cover before we get there. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. We're back. Italy's biggest bank, Intesa San Paolo, has raised its net profit for 2021, now expecting to bring in at least 4 billion euros. The move comes after the lender beat earnings expectations for Q2, reporting 1.5 billion euros in net profit. Just a reminder, Carlo Messina will be up later on in the programme. Uh, Atlantia has reported a 26% jump in first half core earnings, excluding the Italian motorway business. 
It finally agreed to sell in June. The infrastructure group says revenues from its Spanish toll road unit helped to offset pandemic-driven weakness in its airports business. The group expects to close the deal to sell its 88% stake in Autostrada Italia by March 2022. Uh, Uber shares fell in extended trading after the ride-hailing and food delivery company reported widening losses in the second quarter and missed analysts' expectations. The company posting a loss of $509 million. Gross bookings hit an all-time high of $22 billion, but heavy spending on attracting more drivers weighed on those numbers. More on Uber earnings on CNBC later today. Our colleagues will speak to Mr. Khosra Shahi, that is 14.45 Central European time. Away from earnings, the Bank of England is expected to begin outlining a plan for scaling back pandemic stimulus today. However, the BOE looks to set to maintain economic support in the short term in today's policy decision. Investors will also be on the lookout for the central bank's updated inflation forecast, with many predicting estimates to be raised. And tune in for our coverage of the BOE's decision later today, starting at 12.55 CET. And at 1700 CET, we'll bring you Jumana's interview with Governor Andrew Bailey following the announcement. Federal Reserve Vice Chair Richard Clarida has signaled the U.S. economy is on pace to meet conditions that would merit the Fed scaling back its stimulus program by the end of the year and potentially even hiking rates by the end of 2022. Clarida said such a move would be consistent with the Fed's new flexible inflation targeting framework. Clarida joins his peers, Robert Kaplan, James Bullard, and Christopher Waller in calling for the U.S. Central Bank to begin tapering, although Chairman Jerome Powell has insisted the Fed is still some way off such a move. And in labor market news, the U.S. private sector added 330,000 jobs in July, about half what analysts were expecting. The ADP report showed a sharp deceleration from the month before amid mounting fears over the Delta variant. The payroll processing firm said the labor market recovery continues to be uneven, but is still showing signs of progress. Jeff. Yeah, thanks very much indeed, Juliana, for that. Let me just read something to you. Too many inexperienced investors are plowing into technology ideas that seem overvalued at 20 times revenues. Not my words, but the words of Tobias Levkovich in a city note on Wednesday, he joins this growing chorus of professionals who argue that the retail investing community are starting to lose their way and overpay. Well, you uh, pays your money and you takes your choice as to whether you buy into the lines of uh, Mr. Levkovich and the other professionals in the market. But do take a look at that Robinhood 50% gain. Uh, in trade yesterday and ask yourself whether that was justified on the merits. In terms of the US markets, it does feel as though investors are taking note of some of these valuation issues. We were actually uh, off nine-tenths of uh, 1% in the trade yesterday. It was a fairly turbulent day in the U.S. session. The Nasdaq, though, did manage to eke out gains here. Uh, Friends in the gallery a little eager with the boards and to show us the Treasury 
curve. But of course, we understand why they're excited about it, because it is the other side of this equity story. And if we look at the Treasury curve this morning, we're still sitting below this 120 level on the key 10-year note. And as you can see, the Treasury curve just continues to clash philosophically and fundamentally with the ideas that we get from some of the stronger tech names and some of the more positive uh, trading outcomes we see in some of the cyclicals. But maybe the Treasuries have got it right and maybe that's why we've got the S&P and the Dow running into some treacle at this point. Or molasses, as I'm told, I should say, to our American friends. Uh, let's have a look at the car makers. Um, this is a quick snapshot on three of the big players. And we, as you can see here, have Ford and General Motors down quite sharply. Stellantis uh, on the American quote here up 1.4% almost. And does that suggest that we are finally beginning to see a rotation geographically into European opportunities? We've just sat here for, what is it now, uh, 27 minutes and talked about European corporates that are lifting their guidance or indeed are increasing the compensation they pay to their workers as a thank you for the hard work during the pandemic and, of course, a message about not leaving given there is some apparent tightness in labour markets. Not so much uh, coming through in the ADP, though, and we'll talk about the jobs uh, a little bit later on. Don't have time at this moment, but I do need to tease up some things that are coming up after we show you the Asian markets. That's a mixed picture as far as the Asian session is concerned here with the Hong Kong market down about a fifth of 1% at this stage. But the Nikkei 225 firmly higher, four tenths of 1% right now. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.